installment tonight. And we're going to look here in uh, just one verse this evening. So once you get there, if you're willing and able to tonight, I ask you to stand just for the uh, reading of the Word of God as we would honor it tonight. Only one verse that we'll read, have a short prayer, and we'll get into our message tonight. The Bible says in Psalm 23 and in verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, time to be together tonight. Thank you for the word that you've given us, and I pray that you bless us as we're together this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, thank you. you. May be seated. Thank you for the honor and respect of standing for the reading of the Word of God tonight. Last week, guys, we went over the valley of the shadow of death. And tonight, I want to get into the next portion of chapter 4 here, uh, verse 4 of chapter 23 in the book of Psalms, where it says there that, uh, that I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We're not going to get into the rod and staff tonight, but I am looking forward to when we do get into the rod and staff, because that is a great and wonderful lesson uh, for us to apply. But last week we began our study in the valley of the shadow of death. We covered the application of God's guiding grace in the midst of victories as well as when we walk through the the valley of the shadow of death. Or we can also say the valley of decisions, guys, the valley of decisions. And some of the things that we saw last week, we saw for for every valley there are going to be two mountains which represent victories in our life. We saw for every shadowy turn in our life, we approach that there must be a source of light on the other side. But we also, beloved, saw that when we walk through the shadow of death, when we walk through these valleys, we're getting closer every single day to that victorious end. But we should fear no evil whatsoever, for the Lord, our great and chief shepherd, is with us. Now, you may say, well, preacher, that is hard uh, for us to apply in our life. I never said that it was easy. I never said that it was, uh, that it, that it was um, uh, without difficulty. I will say that it's simple tonight, but everything that is simple is always not easy. Do you understand? So we should not fear any evil. Just as the mighty apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and in verse 6, he says, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now, what does that mean? Guys, by indication alone, if Paul said, I fought a good fight, That means you can fight a bad fight. I preached on this many, many years ago. Uh, You can fight a bad fight. I believe we've seen many people in our life, if you've ever kept up with boxing, uh, guys, they fought a bad fight and therefore they lost. We see it on the battlefield. We see it on the sports sports arenas. We see it in every type of competition in our life. And before you say, well, life is not a competition, it is a competition. In this world that we live in today, it is a spiritual battle. We are in the battlefield uh, for the Lord Jesus. Christ. There is a battle between uh, the, the, the darkness of this world and the light of the glorious gospel. And if you can't get that picture in your mind today, there's many, many things that you're not going to switch on. Life is not going to be rainbows and unicorns. It's not all going to be, uh, you know, happy-go-lucky. There are ups and there are downs. There are shadowy valleys. There are victorious mountaintop experiences. And praise the Lord for those things. But we need to understand our fear should not rest tonight in the midst of evil. And so in the manner that the psalmist said, I will fear no evil, we can take the same application that Paul said, hey, I have fought a good fight, I've kept the faith. He didn't fear evil. He didn't fear evil whatsoever. So I want us to take a moment here this evening, and I want us to look at that word fear. Just for a moment, just for a little bit tonight, I want us to look in that word fear. Now guys, we live in a time 
when people walk about carrying a, an image, if you will, okay, uh, a veneer, a facade of no fear. They have an idea and um, an image, you know, that they don't have fear. But yet billions and billions and billions of pounds are earned every year. They're spent every year as well on simple fear. The entertainment industry today makes frightening movies. Why do they do that? Because people will watch them. But if you notice, guys, our fears in this life are out of order. Our fears should not be in the things that the the movies put out. It shouldn't be in the things that what's around the corner, Michael Myers, Jason, whatever, you know, I'm showing my age, I understand that, but nonetheless, uh, our fear should be in order today. Paul said this, guys, in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, he said, let all things be done decently and in order. Now, he's writing that in chapter 14. He spends three chapters in rebuking this church for their illegitimate application of spiritual gifts that did not belong to them. They had perverted what biblical tongues were, speaking some type of gibberish, which never shows up in the Word of God. Biblical tongues was, it isn't today, but it was at one time, the translation of one person's language into another person's language between mouth and ear. So one individual, Peter, let's say, on the day of Pentecost, was speaking in Hebrew, preaching in Hebrew, and every single one of those guys, every one of those Jews, let me say that, they heard them in their own language because they were all from all these different countries where they had gone in the, uh, in the, the, the disparity. When they had moved away, they had gone and grown up in other languages, and they had other tongues, and they all heard them in their own nation's tongue. That's biblical tongues. Not one time in Holy Scripture did anybody ever go body, body, hamalamalama, shing bang, and some moron stand up and say, well, let me translate what thus saith the Lord. That's never happened in Scripture. Amen? Show me one place, I'll give you a thousand pounds tonight. When you show up here and you say an unknown tongue, that's us talking about an unknown tongue. Just like I don't know how to speak Welsh, that's an unknown tongue to me. Okay? We have people here that, that are fluent in other languages. It would not be an unknown tongue to them, okay? But if you show up yourself in a foreign nation, and you speak English, and they speak Swahili, and you guys just can't get on the same page, you both have unknown tongues. And those things are not to be spoken in a church, lest there be an interpreter. That's what Paul is rebuking here in 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. Amen? Amen, preacher. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. He said all things done decently and in order. Our fears should be in order as well. Not just the local New Testament church should be in order. Not just our administration in our church should be in order. Not just our biblical doctrine should be in order. Not just our salvation, eternal security, baptism, Lord said. All of those should be in order. But you know what? Our fears should be in order as well. Because I'm a biblicist when it comes to the administration of the local New Testament church. There is a way to run a local New Testament church according to the Word of God. There's a way to run it by the Bible being your sole authority for faith and practice. There's a way to run it with the autonomy of the church, the two offices, which is a pastor and deacons if they're needed. Okay? Then there is saved church membership. There is uh, the security of the believer, the priesthood of the believer. And then there is the two ordinances, which is the Lord's table, which shows the death of the Lord. And then there's baptism, which shows the burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Both of those represent the gospel. They are ordinances. They are not sacraments. And they're for saved people only, okay? That, guys, hey, and, and most people we know are sticklers with that right there. They'll be sticklers. And they should be, praise the Lord. Amen? There's a right way to do things. There's a wrong way to do things. But the same people that can be sticklers over what I just told you in church administration are running around fearful and frightful of things that they should never be afraid of. Now, I'm not telling you to challenge the devil tonight. 
the archangel Michael, the only archangel, mind you, the archangel Michael, he himself didn't even rebuke the devil, lest he did it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, I'm not telling you to do that. We're no match for the devil. Abraham wasn't a match for the devil. Moses wasn't a match for the devil. Hey, listen, we're not a match for the devil, but my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my good and great shepherd, my chief shepherd, he's a match for the devil. So therefore, I'm not going to fear evil tonight. Why? Because of my shepherds leading me through the valley of the shadow of death. Not myself, do you understand? So guys, things need to be done in order. Our fears need to be in order, just like our church administration, our church doctrine, and the way that we live our life. It needs to be in order. Now, David said this concerning these fears. He said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You, if you pride yourself in being a wise person, well, that's great and wonderful. Do you fear the Lord? If you have no fear of the Lord tonight, you're not a wise person. The, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Okay, so we need to understand wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. They go hand in hand, but they all begin with a proper and orderly fear of the Lord. Entire cultures today are structured on fear. Sex are, uh, uh, or of, of our businesses and so-called healthcare networks in our world today across the globe capitalize on training and, watch this, causing fear. Beloved, despite most people not seeking or receiving treatment, the estimated cost of anxiety disorders in the United States, and I couldn't find numbers here in the United Kingdom, but in the United States, in 1999, is an estimated to be over $42 billion. That's with a B, okay? That's in 1999. If you take the inflation calculators, it suggests that that $42 billion in 1999, by the time it would each, you would reach 2017, that would be well over $61 billion. And that's with the majority of people not seeking treatment for such things as anxiety disorders. Now, here's what, I, here's what I'm showing I want to throw out to you tonight. Research has suggested that the cost and the price is much higher. So people are benefiting from you having fear from nothing being there, all right? Now, there are real fears out there, like fears of spiders. Those are real, man. Those are the real deal, amen? You know, you're all right with that. That's, that's the real deal. I don't know if there's any treatment. The only treatment I see for the fear of spiders is wipe them all out, Okay. And uh, Daisy, don't you tell me how good they are again now. She, she got me last time I was talking about spiders, and, and she sent me a nice little sweet video, and I agree. Um, I just don't want it making a, a web around me. So um, I, had a, I had lunch with a preacher yesterday, a new preacher over in Brimpton, and uh, he says, Preacher, you don't even understand what the fear of spiders are. I said, Son, yes, I do. So he has the equal amount of arachnophobia as I do, so praise the Lord. That's my spider killer right there. That's why I married her. All right, well, other than the fact she told me to. So, but anyway... <clears throat> research does show concerning these anxiety disorders today to be much higher than what they really are. But according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the fifth edition, anxiety disorders are defined as disorders that share features of excessive fear and anxiety and related behavioral disturb disturbances. Now here, that's called the DMSN. We, we know that book because it's a book of diagnosis. We've used it uh, in, in the clinical practice, Denise and I have. Here's what was interesting. This is what shocked me according to the fifth edition. In the fifth edition, PTSD, which is a legitimate, accurate, proper anxiety disorder, all right? It doesn't show up in the fifth edition. Neither does OCD, which is a clinical, diagnosed, actual um, anxiety disorder. Neither one of them show up in the fifth edition. They're in the fourth, 
they're not in the fifth. And I wondered about that. Is it because we don't have enough people who are going to seek treatment for it? I don't believe that to be true at all. Personally, I believe because there wasn't enough money in it. Personally, I believe because the physicians now can create certain anxiety disorders. We have a society today that is by far the weakest and softest, softest society in the history of mankind. You have people in our village right here, right now, collecting benefits because they can't go to work because the pressures of getting up too early in the morning and spending six hours on the job site. You say, preacher, you shouldn't talk. I'm going to tell you something. People make it up, and I'm going to tell you the majority of it is fake. You understand what I'm saying? If you're going to take PTSD, which actually they've removed the D, it's PTS, post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome is what they're calling it now instead of disorder, and you're going to take OCD out of a diagnostic manual, but you're going to put in the fear of, of, of getting up in the morning and doing your job? Are you kidding me? See, PTSD is also linked to TBI, all right, traumatic brain injury. It's also linked to CTE. So there's, a, there's an event, a physiological, physical event that occurs. Guess what? The synaptic receptors do not work well with the drugs that you can administer for PTSD, OCD, CTE, and TBI. They're physical injuries, right? Oh, but you've got a fear of getting up in the morning and you have anxiety because, you know, you don't have enough followers on Twitter, enough followers on Instagram. What's the thing they call now, FOMO or whatever? I hope I don't say something bad. Fear of missing out. Did you know they actually claim that as an anxiety disorder today? Fear of missing out. And we wonder why our young people today are the weakest people on the planet. We're trying to tell them that they can choose whatever direction of gender they have. And they don't know what toilet to use in countries nowadays. Are you kidding me? I promise you right now, you let a man walk into the girls' restroom while one of my women are in there, that'll be the last time they go in there. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't know what you are. Yeah, you do. God knew what you were. He made you that way. My soul. They dig, your, they dig you up 100 years from now. Your bones are going to tell you exactly who you are. Because women and men are different, amen. And they're supposed to be different. You want to talk about a disorder? That's a disorder. That is a mental handicap. And I can't wait for the emails. Amen. Guys, honest research has revealed an exorbitant amount of treatment today for these anxiety-based, false or invented diagnoses. And people are living off of other people's inordinate fears. Just as the church needs to be in order, just as our life needs to be lived in order, just as our finances need to be in order, our fears need to be in order. The entertainment industry, the medical industry, all of these things, guys, they place and they, they emphasize what people should not fear. We should not fear evil, but that's what they direct. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to read it to you for time's sake tonight. I, I thought I'd be further along in the message by now, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 and 58, the Bible tells me, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always about in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know what Paul's saying? 
Be a man. Be a woman. Have a backbone. Take a stand. Seek your heels down in the sand. And don't move from the truth of the Word of God. Because your Lord has given you the victory. Amen. Don't you fear what man can do to you in this life today. Don't you fear evil. Get your fears in order, my friend. And we need to understand, and we've seen it so clearly in the study, this, this, in this Psalm 23 study, that as long as the Lord of the universe, the creator of all things, is our shepherd, We should never fear the evil in this world. David said, the Lord is on my side. He said, I will not fear what man can do unto me. Guys, when the apostle Paul wrote unto the Hebrew Hebrew believers, this is what he said, and so that, that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Beloved, we can fear no evil when our fear is in order. Now, one of the, wise, the wisest men to ever live in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 13 said this. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You get your fears in order, and no matter where you go or where you are in your life, no matter what is happening, you know. And guys, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm just telling you it'll be simple. You know. That that shepherd, the creator of all things, the master of the universe, amen, is leading and guiding you through where you need to be. So, beloved, we need to have our fears in order. If we get our fears in order, guess what's going to follow? Our faith. Our faith is going to follow. I want you to turn your Bibles, if you don't mind, over to 1 John. 1 John. I, uh, I taught today out of 1 John chapter 5, uh, 13 or 11 through 13 in our uh, online series that we're doing for Calvary. Uh, on the fundamentals of the faith and uh, teaching on, ins- uh, on uh, eternal security. I love the epistle of 1 John. It is wonderful. But in 1 John chapter 5, I want you to look up and, uh, toward the, the top of the chapter about verse 4. I want you to look here, if you will, 1 John chapter 5, and in verse 4, uh, the Bible tells me here, it says, uh, uh, in verse 4, it says, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Remember, David said in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'll fear no evil, guys. Again, Solomon, his son, David's son, said, Fear God and keep his commandments. So when your fear is in order, your faith will follow. When your fear is in order, directed by the right one, your faith will follow in the correct direction. And it is, it is fairly hard to have, guys, faith when you have fear about every sound behind you and every shadow before you. I'll say that to you again. It is quite difficult to have faith when you are having fear of every sound behind you and every shadow before you. It is the faith in whom we serve and whom we are following which establishes our fear and allows our faith. To follow us, my friend. So how can we have our fear and our faith in order? Simply. It's simple tonight. Again, not easy, but it's simple. Knowing we have a friend. Everybody wants a friend. Everybody wants a friend. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why are we going to fear no evil? Notice there, that colon, that colon gives you the reason why. For thou art with me. It's that simple tonight. Beloved, I am convinced that people's fear is out of order because they have a lack of faith in a friend called Jesus. 
I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt tonight that our fears have grown exponentially in this world uh, this evening, that we are running around uh, like a chicken with his head cut off, that we're running around to and fro, afraid of every little sound, every little turn, every little corner, and that we're afraid of everything because we just, we don't have that, we don't have our faith in that friend. We're not walking with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying, well, I'm talking about mankind today. I'm preaching to the choir more than likely this evening, and praise the Lord for that. But our world is filled with fears. They're filled with all kinds of nonsense. Fears that most of what they have brought on themselves, I understand that. But nonetheless, the fear is a result of not having the friend in Jesus Christ. Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Guess who that is? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a friend, guys, that sticketh closer than a brother. The one who lays in the doorway of the sheepfold, that chief shepherd, that good and great shepherd, our Lord and Savior, the one who laid his life down for me and took it up again, amen, that one. If there's any question concerning the love of God tonight, we can look at Jesus Christ who said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Why, why can we fear no evil? Because the friend who sticketh closer than a brother is with us. Why can we have a, our faith in order? Because the friend who sticketh closer than a brother has laid down his life for us. Who is this friend? The one who Paul quoted in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, saying, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know the beautiful part of that tonight, the, I mean, absolute beautiful part of him saying, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, we just, we got a dog about seven months ago, maybe a, a seven and a half. He's a big, he's a big one now, but he was a little puppy when we got him. And uh, we've had a few dogs in, our, in our, our life with me and Denise and the kids. And they've all been American Bulldogs. We, we like those, those dogs. And, but we started noticing that he, he would sit down on our, our feet, you know. And, uh, and then he would lay down on our feet and he'd go sleep. And he snores. He snores. He snores real loud. And uh, I was telling another buddy of mine um, who has loads of dogs, uh, guy, people who watched him when he was in Cyprus. Uh, Reese and um, he says you know why they do that he goes I was I was reading about why uh, the dogs lay down on our feet like that they lay down to go to sleep on our feet to assure them comfort and safety that you'll be there the whole time I thought wow really and it makes you feel bad because sometimes you got to get him to go do something you're like he's sleeping you know, I, I kind of make a noise let him wake up and get up on his own so he doesn't I don't have to move my foot but that that's what they do they're doing that because they don't want you to leave and forsake them. Guys, we don't have to lay down on the foot of the Savior to know that he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. So guys, if we go back to Psalm 23, I'm going to close tonight. Help you understand, I hope and pray that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. So beloved, we can fear no evil today simply by placing our faith in a friend named Jesus the Lord God, our shepherd. Will you bow your heads this evening? Father, we thank you. We thank you for who and what you are and all that you've done. We ask of you now to please give us direction, guidance, and mercy. Forgive us where we have failed you, Lord, I pray. And I pray it every time, Lord God. But I do ask you tonight that our faith would be in order behind our fear, that our fear would be in order so that we have that faith and that friend, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray you bless us as we depart one another this evening. Bring us back at the next appointed time safely and soundly and surely. Lord, I thank you for every soul that is here this evening. 
I ask you to bless them, Father, for being committed and dedicated to a midweek service. I ask you to watch over them. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I do hope and pray the sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement, edification, to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Abraman. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. If today was the last day you were alive, if today by some tragedy this was the last moment you had on this earth, when you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment with, for mankind is death. Romans 6.23 clearly tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, what would, what would stop you right here, right now, for bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death. I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. You say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe in it. Remember, Romans 10, 9 says, And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. That is a promise from God himself. That is the promise from the creator of all things, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept his free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you will have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. I hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord be with each and every one of you. God bless.